Hello and welcome to a very special Vimy Air. My name is Sam Fix. I'm a teacher here at Vimy Ridge Academy. With me is Mr. Travis Rollheiser, Mr. Blair Faulkner, and Miss Kathy Fenton. Hey, hey Sam. Sam. Hello, Thanks, Sam. you guys. Hey, Katie. It's, uh, Hello. Yeah, it's an honor to, to be doing this episode on, on National Indigenous Peoples Day. I think this is uh, mm-hmm. it's nice. It, it's, a, it's, it's a day that needs to be celebrated, and I think it's more than just the day that needs to be celebrated. Yeah, well... Um, like you said, Mr. Falker, it's definitely more than just the day that needs to be celebrated, but because it is on June 21st and it has a lot of uh, cultural significance being the summer solstice and today's a day for us and not just us, but all Canadians to recognize and celebrate the unique heritage and diverse cultures that Canada has to offer. Um, and I think especially, um, in dealing with, you know, the Edmonton area, because we have such a rich indigenous history here. Um, hearing about that and learning about that is is very important. And I don't think there's many people that know more about that than our special guest that we have on this episode, Dr. Dwayne Donald. And um, for those of you that don't know who that is, he's an associate professor at the University of Alberta. Um, he is an absolute wealth of knowledge um, when it comes to the Indigenous community, especially in how it relates to education. And that's kind of going to be uh, what we discuss in this special feature. So Yeah, it's a great interview. Great, yeah. great so interview. I think we should just send it right to him. Uh, it's a great listen. He has a lot of interesting things to say. So let's go ahead and listen to Dr. Dwayne Donald. We'd now like to welcome our very distinguished guest on this special episode of Vimeo. This gentleman is a current associate professor at the U of A and one of the most well-known people in education. He earned his Bachelor of Arts from the University of Alberta, Bachelor of Education from the University of Calgary, Master's of Education from the University of Lethbridge, and his PhD back at the U of A. Uh, He's published many articles, chapters, and reviews on his primary research, which focuses mainly on initiatives that will engage both students and teachers with the Indigenous communities. Uh, Most recently, he was a co-investigator on the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, which received a huge grant, uh, which was geared towards honoring Indigenous connections to land, culture, and relational self, which totaled over $1 million. It is an honor to welcome in Dr. Dwayne Donald. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Welcome. Hello, Dr. Donald. Thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us. I'd, I'd like to ask, I can't say anything of, that Trav just said because it had too many words in it for me, but what, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that grant? And so, one, how you got it, and then what, what's kind of the plan with it moving forward? Well, it's one of those things, Sam, where uh, it, it, it's getting a lot of attention, but I actually can't take much credit for it. The, the grant itself uh, is centered at um, UBC Okanagan. And... Uh, the lead kind of investigator, her name is uh, Margaret Lada McIntyre, and she's a professor of curriculum studies there at UBCO. And what it has to do with is uh, trying to generate curriculum uh, based on indigenous community engagement and paying close attention to the place where you are. So in this case for them, that's the Okanagan Valley and all those different indigenous folks there. And they're really trying to work together to uh, imagine curriculum, I guess you could say, in relation to, um, you know, the programs of study that the BC government has. And so basically what Margaret has done is she's created a network of people across the country who do similar work. And I'm one of those people. There's also a colleague in Ottawa, there's a colleague in Toronto, there's a colleague in Vancouver. And so our job is to do our own kind of side similar projects. uh, and, And then we talk to each other about what we learned. And so for me and what I'll be doing here, the, the work will mostly be with the, 
the educators at Muskekosik Enoch Cree Nation. And, uh, Very cool. Trying to think about all that. Very cool. Awesome. So I actually had the opportunity to have you as a professor at the U of A for the Aboriginal education course. Um, and I was very disappointed when I was unable to get you for like the river walk uh, seminar piece. So when Travis said you were coming on the podcast, I was very excited she and so fangirled quite so nervous. <laughs> very nervous over here. Um, but my question to you is how did you get into education and where has education taken you? Well, I don't know how, how much detail you want with these stories. But, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I showed up at, at the U of A in the mid eighties and really didn't, I wasn't sure why I was there. I was playing football at the time and, and uh, doing a lot of things that didn't have much to do with studying. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I ended up getting a history degree and, and um, I was always interested in history and it was kind of one of those things where when you get a degree like that and people say, well, what are you going to do now? And so, yeah, I, uh, decided that maybe a social studies teacher would be a good thing. And Larry Boy was um, my social 30 teacher at Skona and uh, somebody that I really admired. And so I thought, yeah, maybe I'll try to be Larry Boy in my own way. And so I ended up, you know, we got married and moved to Calgary. And so I got my degree at the UC. I actually spent uh, a year in Kenya, my wife and I, uh, in Nairobi. Oh, wow. After oh, cool. we graduated, and uh, it had a real dramatic effect on me, uh, just because um, you know I, I think when you're living in a, a place for a long time, like I had been, you know, Edmonton was my home. I had been for 24 years before we moved to Calgary. You kind of get you know used to things, and you don't you can't really study it. And, and so when we moved to Kenya, colonialism uh, it's it's quite obvious to newcomers. And, right it really provoked me to think about how colonialism had affected, you know, my own family and my own kind of understanding of who I am. And uh, when we came back from, from Kenya, uh, I got a job teaching at a place called Kainai high school, mm. which is uh, on the blood reserve, from the Kainai first nation uh, down there between Lethbridge and Waterton, black, Blackfoot folks. And uh, I was there for 10 years and experience changed my life. Uh, so I never did teach in a public school. It was always on a reserve. Interesting. I, um, I, I want to go back to your time in Kenya. I heard there was an interesting story or a funny story about a basketball program that you tried to set up and how the first day maybe didn't go as planned. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. So um, what happened is that I, uh, I managed to find a volunteer position with a sports organization that worked in the slum in Nairobi. And if you've, if you've traveled at all, maybe some of you have been to some of those places, you'll know that you know, in these big cities in that part of the world, the slums are, are just part of the landscape. And so this is the place where I work, the place called the Mathari Valley. There's about a million people crammed into this little valley. And uh, wow. my job was to uh, sort of, they had a lot of young coaches that uh, were, you know, soccer is the big sport there. And so my job was to try to give these young coaches a little bit of training, you know, on uh, how to run a practice, how to, Know, make sure you're being ethical with the kids and that kind of stuff. Yeah. They wanted me to coach. I said, well, I don't know anything about soccer. So they started a basketball program. And uh, the plan was we were going to play with the uh, games against these international schools. In but we didn't have a basketball court. So what we did is we went out into the local neighborhood 
and found a welder and somebody had a magazine with the specific, we gave them all the sizes of everything. And, and so this guy welded, you know, the basketball stands and the backboard and the hoop for us. So the big day came, a bunch of kids were there and the things were so heavy. We needed a bunch of people to carry them. We found this empty spot on the kind of the back end of the basket or the soccer field. And we had to dig holes and prop these basketball hoops, the hoops up. up. Yeah. Got them up there, fairly balanced and things were looking good. So then the balls came out and the kids started shooting. And of course, a lot of them hadn't really done this before. And so after about 15 minutes, one of them said, well, this game sucks. And I said, well, well why? And he said, well, the ball will never go in. We can't get it to go in. So we got a ladder and we went up there and we found out that the welder had taken a basketball and made the hoop the exact size of the ball. <laughs> Crushing their dreams. Like the best shot ever for it to go. <laughs> so we had to haul things down and take it back and say, no, no, you actually you gotta make it a little bigger. So <laughs> it was a rough start. But uh yeah, it caught on and we had a great team actually. Really That's great. good. That's awesome. It's like those carnival games that you think you can never yeah. win at. And, yeah, <laughs> you just no the doubt. exact right size. <laughs> uh, Dr. Donald, I was wondering if you could tell tell us and enlighten our listeners on sort of the land where Vimy, where Vimy Ridge Academy sits, um, the history there or what that land was um, to the indigenous people. Uh, well, I guess I, you know, I can't say too much about Vimy in particular, but you know, the, the general area for sure. Um, it's very important, I think, for, for people to know and understand and, and just to, I think, you know, consider this river, um, this beautiful river, Giskatchewan Etsipi is, is its name. And uh, I encourage you to use that if you can, instead of the <laughs> other one. This one, Giskatchewan Etsipi is, is much more uh, connected to that, that sort of ancient understanding of this place. So, so you got to imagine a prairie landscape. And of course, as we know, in these prairies, these these big rivers are, you know, they're not very common. And so th this river here was a, a pretty important uh, landmark all along the valley, but there were particular places where people preferred to gather for a lot of different reasons, right? And so the place we now call Edmonton is actually an ancient gathering place. The old name is Pehonan. Pehonan basically means it's a waiting place or a gathering place. So basically that means that uh, for, you know, who knows how long, thousands of years, people have been coming from all different directions to gather at this particular place. It's basically, you know, between the university and the, and the legislative grounds. And that area there is the particular place where people cross the river, where they camped and where a lot of the trading and the ceremonies took place. So, you know, that's a that's sort of the ancient understanding of, of this place as a gathering place. And that's one thing I've puzzled on over the years with myself, my students, is why that particular part of the River Valley, why it, was it so attractive? And, you know, there are mm -hmm. other places all along the valley. And it's, you know, it's kind of a mystery that I continue to think about. The other thing is that the other name that you've probably heard is Amasquichi. And... Yep. Uh, Amasquichi, those are the Beaver Hills, and uh, the hills that the fort was built on were basically the provincial legislative 
buildings are now. Those are the Beaver right. Hills. That's Amasquichi. And what we're told is that um, before newcomers came into this area, those hills were um, just busy with beavers doing what they do. And so this place where we live is a beaver place. And that's how it got that name, Amasquichi. And, and of course, uh, the connections to beaver are very ancient, and there's lots of like sacred ecology stories about uh, how important yeah. beaver are to the health of the ecosystem. And yeah. so, um, I guess the other thing I could mention is that you know Vimy is is fairly close to the place we now call Mill Creek, but um, its older name is Gasaniskak, and that that means it's a it's a place with a lot of rocks. And so uh, it was also um, know a, a place where people gathered in different ways uh, camped on that sort of the edge of the ravine and so this this whole general area was kind of busy in that way the naming and you know, the the stories behind it and the meanings behind it is so fascinating um so that, i guess that that yeah that leads me to my next question what does your name mean or is there any kind of meaning or story behind yours yeah well i have a, a couple of names travis and uh they're um they mean a lot to me and they, they certainly guide me. And that's what, uh, you know, the, the old people that I've had a chance to listen to and learn from, they say that uh, if, if you honor that name, it will guide you. And the other thing I should say about these names is that um, they're not random, of course, right? And right. Uh, usually they're given in, in kind of a ceremonial setting or context. And what the elders have the ability to do I guess it's sort of like, uh, you know, if you think of the Christian tradition, uh, you know, a priest or a preacher or somebody, is that the elders have the ability to kind of go more direct, the giver of life. And so what they'll do is they'll say, this guy here needs a name. And so call on his ancestors to let it be known what his name is, because the ancestors, you know, they know you best. They know where you come from. And connections and so that's what happened in both cases so i have a blackfoot name that uh, was given to me in a ceremonial context about 25 years ago and it was a uh, tall man spitekwan this beautiful old man who gave me that name and it's my blackfoot name is epio mahka and that means uh, somebody who runs a long time is that accurate about you <laughs> well, it used to be back then. <laughs> I was known as this, this crazy guy who used to run down the highway and uh, you know do do that kind of stuff. Um, but um, the old man told me later that the reason he gave me that name too is that I'm very much. Uh, he said, "You're you're somebody who connects people." He said, "Your your your role." is to listen to people over here and then run over here and listen to other people over here and you bring them closer together. You run, run back and forth. Right? Okay. Yeah. Very neat. So if, if you wanted to know, you know what, I guess what I think I do at the university, that's a pretty good description. Of it. But I also have a Cree name. My Cree name is uh, Mr. High Musqua. And that uh, you might recognize that one. That's um, pretty famous, infamous man. In, in Western Canadian history, Big Bear, Mr. High Musqua. Mm, That's okay. his name. So I got that name. It was Elder Bob Cardinal from Enoch who gave me that name uh, about 15 years ago. 
So big bear. Big bear. In tree culture, bears are associated with healing. And there's lots of different reasons for that. And so big bear or grizzly bear is, a, is kind of understood to be healing. And so that's, that's another way I understand that name is in terms of indigenous Canadian relations. What, what can we do to try to heal that? Interesting. Um, okay, Dr. Donald, I want to uh, ask you about your, your time at the U of A and your teaching. We're all teaching remotely and doing our, our Google meets or our zoom meets and, you know, putting information out online. How have you been able to connect with your students um, through this time and, and whether it's been challenging or, or, or positive, uh, find a positive for us. We're, we're all about positivity on podcasts. So talk about your, your teaching still with, with U of A. Uh, well, Blair, to be honest, uh, I haven't actually taught online yet and uh, ah, I'm kind of hoping that I nice. never do, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be hard to avoid. Um, so what happened with me is that I had a, a class that was running and I had one class meeting left when things shut down. Oh, okay. And so what I did is I, I just kind of made a, a final video that, you know, explained a few things and then that was it. So that's been the extent of my kind of online interaction. <laughs> one video. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, your question is very interesting because um, in April, we, uh, the elder and I were teaching another version of a course that we've taught three or four times now that takes a whole uh, trip around the sun. So it's a, it's a full year course. Wow. And it's based on uh, the Cree lunar cycle. So just to explain that a little bit more, of course, we're used to what they call the Gregorian calendar that has, you know, the months. Yeah. We understand this month as June, but of course, uh, indigenous people all around the world they didn't measure time in that way and they had their own ways of, of figuring out you know how to how to explain what's happening and so these lunar calendars are based on the 28-day cycle of the moon from new moon to new moon and uh, most of the indigenous calendars that i've learned about um, the name for the moons has to do with what's supposed to be going on ecologically at that time of year so they're very much connected to the ecology in the area and, and those understandings. And so what we do in this course is we, you know, with the help of the guidance of the elder, we teach about these moon teachings and uh, the elder connects it to all kinds of, you know, wisdom teachings from this area about what it means to live a good life and all that kind of stuff. And so we were meant to start that, of course, face-to-face -face in April, but we haven't been able to. And we have about 15 graduate students that are signed up. Most of them are actually... Uh, employees with Edmonton Public. Okay. Wow. So cool. what, what, what I've done as a way to kind of improvise is that uh, we've given them three tasks. And so this is the third month now, the third moon that they're on. Tonight. So first task, which I explained just through a video, was uh, to choose a place. So each student has chosen a place and their task is to visit that place as often as they can and to study what's going on at that place mm. uh what 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 life is there what what is the activity and to figure out for themselves how to document what they learn from that place and so they're all kind of puzzling on that the other thing is to study the moon to pay attention to how it waxes how it wanes how it appears in different places in the sky and uh, 
again, figure out a way to document could be through art, could be through video, audio, um, you know, they, there's lots of different, it's kind of open, right? And the last thing I asked them to do is to create a symbol, uh, make something with their hands to create a symbol that represents what they learned that was most meaningful for each moon. And, and the other thing that we've asked them to do is I've made groups of three out of these, the full class, and they share different insights. Okay. They, they might send a photo, they might send notes, they might send poetry, whatever it is. So they have these threads of connections that, that they're sharing. And so cool. that's what they've been working on. I haven't really got a, you know, direct feedback from anybody on how it's going. But, uh, well, that means it's, it's, it's got to be okay. Eh? It's going well. <laughs> Um, you had previously talked about healing uh, Aboriginal Canadian relations, and it also ties into maybe some of the, the things that have been sparked in the United States the last little while with the potential mistreatment um, and marginalization, either currently or uh, the marginalization previously of certain groups. But how do you think um, we should go about healing Aboriginal Canadian relations? Yeah, I guess all I can say is is what's, what's worked for me. And uh, I think... You know, in the work that I do, uh, one of the things I, I try to do with my students is to work in uh, what, what we could call an archaeological or a genealogical way. Okay. So in that sense, it's to, it's to kind of peel back the layers and trace out sort of the lines that have kind of created the situation that we're in right now. And, you know, when I do that, it, it involves uh, a pretty detailed study of colonial culture. And so it's my view that colonialism as sort of a major shift in uh, human experience is something that is actually not studied as a cultural or an ideological kind of phenomena, I guess I could okay. say. It's not a historical event, obviously. It's ongoing. Okay. So at its root, colonialism is about relationship denial. That's what it teaches. It teaches us to deny relationships. And, and of course, these relationship denials are rationalized in, in very convincing ways. And, and we're immersed in, in that kind of relationship denial. So I talk with my students about this a lot. And, and maybe the most damaging one is the denial of the relationship that exists between, you know, your intellect and the rest of you, right? Because in, in Cree wisdom teachings, it's considered dangerous to fragment a person, right? So you have to address a person fully, holistically, mental, mm -hmm. emotional, spiritual, physical. And this is not considered just a neat idea, right? This is like, there's actually a lot at stake in supporting people to be balanced and well. And so colonialism is like a virus because it, it perpetuates an imbalance and and at its root, this relationship denial, at its root is all of this um, violence that's right. justified. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I talk about all kinds of other things. But what <laughs> I try to do, what I try to do is I try to approach all my students as human beings who are unified in this way by a desire to be whole. And so, um, yeah, well said. One of the real challenges we face in education, as you, as you all know, is that our roots are in industrial models, in factory models. And the philosophies that promote those cultural assumptions 
all are you know, connected archaeologically, genealogically to what I just talked about. So we need a cleanse and we need a new story. That's a challenge. As long as we continue to put things on the surface with curriculum initiatives or whatever, mm -hmm. we're not going to make much progress. Right. Okay. Great message. So uh, June 21st is National Indigenous Peoples Day. And for us as educators and for our listeners and everyone else out there, um, what does this day or what should we be recognizing on this day? And what should we, I guess, move forward with and learn um, to bring to our own practices? Well, first I'll say I'm not much of a, of a day celebration of a day kind of person. I, right. I, okay. I, always I have a hard time with that, even on Father's Day. Like, mm, the same day this year, actually. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't let Hallmark decide when we're going to you know, acknowledge our fathers. Right. Kind of but <laughs> right. at the same time, I, I know it has value, right? So, and every day is Mother's Day, by the way. Absolutely. But so... I guess what I would hope on National Aboriginal Day is that um, people people take the time to to think about um, I guess what we've inherited in terms of the relationship and what their role has been or is in that and uh, yeah how to proceed differently um, and uh, I guess the way I've been taught is that this this challenge is not just a, a purely human to human kind of challenge because it involves other forms of life. And here, you know, for me, the, you know, the older I get, the more, the better I understand what that treaty was really about. Treaty right. six is really an act of love for us. And uh, it involves everybody or it should. And of course, as we know, um, treaties have been a massive curricular omission and it's had devastating consequences really for the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, as you know, there, there's people who still show up at the university and they, they've never learned anything about treaty or mm -hmm. what it might mean. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I always encourage people to try to learn about treaty as more than just a business deal or some kind of contract where some people, um, you know, pay taxes and other people get stuff for free. It's such a, such a violent uh, misrepresentation of, of what that actually was. And so that's the other thing I guess I would hope is that people would think about that as kind of an inheritance in relation to right. the river, in relation to all the other things. Great. Uh, and what, one last question. Um, your name being long distance runner, and I think you're a pretty good athlete. Maybe you're, you're, very humble about it. You played hockey, you played football. How far did your football career take you? Oh, not, not very far. <laughs> I, uh, I played, I was a quarterback at Skona, loved that. And then I was a receiver at the U of A from 85 to 87. So I played three years and, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, but, it was kind of that, that kind of phase in my life where, uh, I don't know, I, I, I wish I had been more dedicated to it and, and uh, maybe uh, trained a little more. <laughs> but uh, we, we, weren't, we weren't really a very good team back then. It was kind of a rebuilding. When my brother Dana was there, they were really strong. 
and then he finished in 85 and there was kind of a rebuilding going on when I was there. Okay. I think we made the playoffs one. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, on our, on our regular Vimeo episodes, uh, we try to preach positivity and laughter and fun and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I want to want to finish up here. Can you give our listeners maybe a, a brief positive message in Cree? Negan, they ask of Mamamotaimasi Mantu Anakakiskakakwak Matsun. They ask of Monaco Minakituam Gisagao Iwa Pataman. Akimemok Nitotemtik. So all of that was just um, just to be thankful for this day, for life, um, to be thankful to see another day. And uh, just to try your try your best, try hard. Very nice. That's perfect. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much, Dr. Dwayne Donald, for for joining us here on on Vimier. I think the next time we have you on the podcast, we should make it a uh, a River Valley walk and uh, yeah. record record the message through there. I think that would be great once we can get away from the social distancing and, and all that. So, again, just a huge thank you from Vimier, and uh, we appreciate your time. Oh, I'm, I'm down for for that walk, but there is a film made about the walk. I don't know if you guys know that. I didn't know that. I didn't no. know that either. Yeah, there's, there's a guy named Connor McNally. Uh, he's a Métis guy here in the city who, um, he's a friend of mine, but probably about five years ago, he contacted me and he said, I got a grant. Can we film the walk? And I said, yeah, okay, that's going to be all right. So I showed up. It's actually kind of funny. There was about 80 people there, totally unexpected. I just showed up with my dog and uh, they had a bunch of money and, you know, four cameras, I think. And yeah, he made this 40 minute documentary film. It's actually really interesting because he uses a lot, a lot of archival uh, photos and maps and uh, there's a soundtrack for it. It's called Otanao, which is, that's how you say city or town in Cree. Uh, and he has made it available on Vimeo uh, during this time. It wasn't available before. So Travis, I'll send you the link. Yeah, yeah please yeah, that'd do. That'd be great. That's great. But yeah, thanks again for joining us. You were uh, great to hear from. And uh, yeah, I hope you and your family are doing well. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a good Thank day. Thank you. Talk to you later. You yeah. too. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you guys, but after hearing Dr. Dwayne Donald speak, I feel... Uh, a little more engaged in what's going on in and around Edmonton, um, wanting to find out more, wanting to, you know, grow my own knowledge about, about the land, about the history, about uh, what's happening, you know, not only in our little community, but uh, in, in the world itself. So it's, uh, we appreciate him coming on, taking time out of his day, speaking to us, speaking to our listeners about, uh, about the National Indigenous people's day and and what it means to him and and just everything that he's done yeah and i think uh he might have said it just that at the end of his interview there a colleague of his we'll call it connor mcnally he ended up making um a video that kind of goes into more detail than dr donald just did about the edmonton river valley history and and all that so um for those of you listening we'll put, put the link to that video up on our vimy instagram page uh, so if you guys want to check out that video, I've watched it, Mr. Fix. I know you've watched it. Uh, it is fantastic. It's very informative. Um, I don't know what the proper word is. Cinematography, if you want to call it that, is like very vintage, very retro. But it's uh, it's definitely a pretty cool watch, and you can definitely definitely get some get some good intel there. 
I know that I mentioned in the podcast that I had the opportunity to have him as uh, a professor during my time at the U of A. So I encourage any listeners out there to, if you have the opportunity to hear him speak at any event, please do so. But again, a big Vimier thank you to Dr. Dwayne Donald for joining us today. And um, we hope to have him on again another time. again like to say a huge thank you to Dr. Dwayne Donald for joining us on the podcast. Music for this episode provided by purpleplanet.com. Song titled Flying High. This entire podcast has been a Vimeo Ridge Academy production. <laughs>